Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com and the Radio.com app. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Everything gonna be all right? Place him up for some bees talk right now. It's the Skate Pod. Sunday Skate, I'll give it a B, B plus. On WEEI. Holy, this is a big time show. It is a big time show. Six out of seven in the loss column as we record this, another edition of the Skate Pod. <laughs> Not uh, in the National Hockey League. Everything's going to be all right, Matt if, if, if you get a point, they don't count that as a loss, remember. Oh, that's true. Okay. Everybody, everybody's a winner in the National uh, Hockey League. Bruce Cassidy was spitting a disappointing one, uh, disappointing one out of two against the LA Kings. And... Ripping Tuca. I want to talk about that in a second. But, of course, we welcome you to the Skate Pod, and we are presented by Red River. We love Red River. We thank them for uh, sponsoring the Skate Pod, the exclusive sponsor of the Skate Podcast. As always, you can subscribe. Apple iTunes, Stitcher, yep. Google Play, Matt Downcast, Downcast. Uh, find us Radio.com. Yeah. Just go on the EI.com site and right. click on it, download please, it. please, five-star review. Give us yeah. a, and give us Give Matt some... And, encouragement and lots of, lots of happenings around the uh, EI podcast family here. Mm-hmm. The, the return of Lucy Burge. I mean, oh, that's it's big. like a, it's like a soap opera where they come and a new back. Logo eight for years the Five Out podcast. How about that? They're oh, I didn't even green. know that. Yeah. Wow. And it's, and it's the holidays, and Cranky Calman is coming out because yesterday, uh, at one point. He ended a text chain with too much stress figuring this out. <laughs> so, so. Oh my God. The podcast, we, we, we the had, <laughs> podcast pursuit is just so much. Especially, we're trying to get three guests. You know. Because we love our listeners so much, we're trying to get, you know, holiday week uh, podcast recorded. So we're trying to get, you know, basically three guests for one week. Right. And uh, it's a lot of juggling when you try to also, you know, cover the Bruins and write about the Red Sox reforms, which I know everyone loves my Red Sox coverage that, you know, from 50,000 feet in the air. Right. <laughs> so... One of bullshit. Let's get to it. We have a big, big guest this week. Huge. Maybe, maybe the biggest. 1.6 million followers on Twitter for Bob McKenzie of TSN. But that that's not the astonishing number. The astonishing number is I think he follows like 300 and change, and I'm one of them. That well, Really? What is he doing? That is a stunner. How does he continue to follow me oh. and not you block the, me? You are the Boston media member he trusts. I guess you know, so. You are the reputable one. All right, good. We'll get to Bob in a moment. But back to... Cassidy lighting up Tuca last oh night God. after the game. He, he, twice it's, in two different sound bites. But, you know, it's a 58-foot it's a shot. They're going to give something up. Um, finds its way in. So I thought we, we played the right way uh, in the third period to get the lead, to extend the lead. Their goalie did a great job keeping them in the game. And unfortunately, we didn't get the saves in any of them. Pretty funny how this guy will never get a hair across his ass for Danton Heinen or... Charlie Coyle or, you know, Matt Grizzlick. He loves these guys so much. But if Tuka Rask gives up a couple bad goals, right under the bus. Uh, like I said, you got to tip their hat to their goaltender. Uh, he was a little better than ours. 
every I mean, it was time. not a good goal. I'm not going to say it was. Right. Uh, Tuca said he was screened, right? He didn't see it. Well, he didn't say it. He was asked in that way that, where did you see it? And he definitely didn't see it. And no, let's face it, there's a reaction. lot more breakdowns in front of that one than, and than most that he would give up. That wasn't that soft a goal, considering all the traffic in front of him. Well, you know, we talk a lot about it. it was, we're almost assuming now the Tuca talk has died way yeah. down. He's, you know, he proved himself last year, but we're almost assuming that he's going to resign here. From maybe he and Cassidy don't get along, and that's, you know, they should start to think about Yarrow Halak as the goalie of the future. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to overreact it, but it, it, it is weird how he picks on him. I think it's just his way. He's just like old school. You know, he used to be the, the coach would always pick on the goalies, and now everyone gets yeah. gets kid gloves. And I think Bruce sometimes that nineteen nineties Capitals. Bruce Cassidy comes out. <laughs> Who was the former Capitol player that ripped him last year? I forget. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, Bates Battaglia. Bates Battaglia and yeah. actually, with, with a little bit of research, I think Bates Battaglia played for the Capitals for a week. <laughs> Is that true? He literally paid for him for a week. That's awesome. And actually, I, I don't think you mind me saying this. I asked Bruce about it, and he said, I don't even remember the guy. <laughs> I don't remember him. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, I want to get to something before we get to Bob McKenzie, and we'll talk to Bob about trade targets and Ilya Kovalchuk, who's in town, and... Uh, you know, Krug, of course, will always come up. But you had a phrase that you heard. Not yeah. from, was it? Well, you did well, hear Cassidy say this. Well, Cassidy said it uh, this morning, Wednesday morning. But Tuesday night after the game, I asked Jake DeBrusque about Ilya Kovalchuk because I know he's the kind of guy that follows the league and obviously, you know, his dad's in the media stuff, so he probably hears stuff. And, um, you know, twice he reiterated, well, there's a hole, a hole. And I think for them to acknowledge a hole, which sounds kind of harsh on a hockey team where you're supposed to say, oh, you know, we have 18 skaters who are all great and we can play with each other. For him to say a hole and Bruce Cassidy this morning say, you know, we have a hole means... Referring to what? Referring to the the, the right wing on the second line, clearly. um, Means that these guys really acknowledging this now, Donnie kind of has, Donnie Sweeney kind of has the heat on him to fill this hole now, we can get into a little bit, is Charlie Coyle the fill for that hole, leaving another hole, but there's a hole in the top nine at the very least, and the, the, t- the players see it. And, you you know, he talks always about Donnie about when he made those moves, some of those cockamamie moves he made when they were missing the playoffs and he would add Lee Stempniak or whatever. We owe it to the team to add on and try to go for the playoffs. Well, now you really owe it to this team to fill that hole because these guys are talking about it openly. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's not, I have no doubt now that you know, after the last couple of weeks they're going to add somebody, uh, even if it's an, a Stepniak type. But right. uh, they were not in on Taylor Hall, right? I mean, that was not even a yeah, consideration. I mean, somebody tried to say that they, they called about it. I mean, obviously the, the package they were giving up. We know the Bruins are parting with that for a rental, you know, maybe if you had some, some term. But this guy's going to market, right? I mean... He could see, he tried to poo-poo that a little bit in his press conference in Arizona, but it, you know not, he didn't. He wasn't any Mark Stone. He didn't have. A, he didn't bring the contract in hand as soon as he got there. Although I've I've read like Frank Saravalli, your colleague, he, he writes at NHL.com, right or TSN. No, I don't know. He's, uh, he's TSN. TSN yep. But he spun it as this is worth the risk. Like no of course, problem. Oh, for them, for them, sure. For the Coyotes, yeah, for the Coyotes, absolutely. I mean, if you're going to be a legi- legitimate team, which they think they are now. And try to get just just to get on the map fans. once. Oh, so you're saying like, they need to? Yeah, you. I mean they they need they need star power, and they and they can't score. I mean they're third in goals against, and they're third to last in scoring. So they're if you're going to do that, by the McDavid's is, of the world, and you have a farms, they didn't give up. Uh, a, you know, I was reading actually uh, Future Watch or whatever it is in Hockey News. Um, they have like three blue chip prospects. None of them were in this package. It was uh, two or three secondary guys. You know, and obviously the first that could become two firsts. Or at least the first and a second, if you just went around a playoffs, which is probably more likely than him signing there. 
All right, so, um, that's, so a, that's a heavy package. Oh, but if, but if there are no blue chip prospects, then why wouldn't the Bruins have been interested? You're just saying the two draft picks are too much? The draft though? picks are probably too much. Donnie does not like to trade those first, and it's not for a rental. Now, you know, if you get into Kyle Palmieri and you're getting a, an extra year like you got with Coyle, you know, maybe you know, obviously the, the package would be less because Taylor Hall is much better than Kyle Palmieri. Don't jump all over me here, Twitter sphere. But if you had to do the first and, and just a, a second-level prospect with Kyle Palmieri, that probably is a better fit for you, too. I mean, Taylor Hall, a great player, and everyone's going to say, well, you can always find a place for a great player, but that doesn't necessarily play the position you're looking for it to fill at this point. He's, he, he plays the left side. You know, Bjork, DeBrusque, Heinen, who's moving to the right. You, you know, you're causing good problems, but problems nonetheless. Well, part of me thinks if this were, if this were February, the Bruins would have been in on him. But I, my hunch is they're just feeling like, even though they've, they've had this skid here, they have such a cushion, they, and they don't know what's going to happen in a couple months, and they don't want to overreact and, like, you know, they're not desperate. So why? Now, but, but, if you, but if you look back in two months and say, man, we should have gone after Taylor Hall, then yeah. you're going to regret it a little bit. I think they also kind of, you know, not that he's a bad guy, but I don't know necessarily he would be a guy to fit the room. Uh, maybe. I mean, he, he kind of is, I don't know what the word would be, but he's not necessarily a, a leader to begin with. And, you know, there's... Not that they need a leader, but you but don't there, need there's a this idea, either. Right. There's this yeah. idea that you need to kind of fill the, fit the uh, the mold, the yep. mold here. And, okay. You know, plus you don't know what who else is going to shake loose, I think, that might come at a cheaper price and give you the same bang for your buck. True. And, and a contender may turn into a, uh, a seller. You like, and you don't need, you don't necessarily need the biggest bomb on this team. I mean, we're, we're looking at this through the prism of the six game whatever skid here but um they won the eight in a row and they pretty loaded when when things are clicking the right way here so well how concerned are should Bruins fans be about the losses because as you say a couple of teams that maybe they overlooked Chicago and Ottawa I don't get the the losing to Chicago and Ottawa and Detroit and LA but one goal the one goal losses to me to Tampa and Washington are encouraging uh, hanging on in Florida is encouraging, considering we know their history with losing leads to Florida. So that was good that they grinded yes, that one out. A three, nothing lead almost. Right. So uh, it's not that concerning. I think uh, come Christmas we'll have a. It might get concerning if this if this rest of this homestand doesn't go well because this becomes, you know, again it was like the road trip where they went to Ottawa and went in the toilet, and then the road trip became a struggle. Now this homestand starts with L.A. It should have been a win. You had it in the bag for 19 minutes, 18 minutes. And now you're looking at Islanders, Nashville, Washington into Christmas. That could really put you into yeah. a skid. Well, good for them that they had a, such a great start that they can uh, weather this a little bit. But also concerning is their record after regulation. They just, I mean, yeah. two, two breakaways again against the Kings couldn't bury. Well, they should have done uh, it in the third period. They should have buried some chances. True. And, you know, Sean Corrales continuing to prove I am a fourth-line center because every time they bump him to third, I know. he just forgets how to play. And missing an empty net like that, unbelievable. All right, well, let's waste no more time. This you, bigger name than uh, uh, Don Cherry before his reputation was sullied? I don't know. He's up there. We could, we could do a Twitter poll. All right, who's, who's a bigger name? Who was a bigger name a month ago? Don Cherry or our next guest, who is the great Bob father, and that, of course, is Bob McKenzie, our guest this week. Well, not often we get a legend here on WEI, and that is the Bob father, Bob McKenzie. One of our uh, normal hosts, uh, Pete Blackburn, could not make it, Bob. I know he's your son, so you see him on other times. So uh, on a future appearance, we'll have uh, Pete with us as well. But thanks for coming on. Pito probably buying new shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Some lifts. Yeah, that's what he needs. Uh, let's. Uh, we, you just tweeted about uh, Ilya Kovalchuk, who was in town last night, Bob, so let's start there. Uh, no interest from the Bruins, eh? I don't believe so. Um, I'm really curious to see if anybody's jumps up, to be honest. I mean, it only takes mm-hmm. one team, and there's 31. 
in the National Hockey League, although I guess we call it 30 since Los Angeles is one of the, right. the 31, and they just got rid of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I started checking around yesterday, just kind of curious, and I, I didn't hit every team by any stretch of the imagination, but I probably hit on uh, quite a few. And my sense of it is that maybe there's no interest in Kovalchuk. Now, and as I say, it only takes one, and I, I didn't canvas every single team. So, But my understanding is that uh, the, Bru- the Bruins are not going down that road at this time. And I was mentioning Pittsburgh and Calgary because some people were trying to tie – the waiver, right. um, the waivers of Austin Zarnick and Stefan Nazan um, to the fact that maybe they'd be signing Kovalchuk and Pittsburgh and Calgary don't have any interest in them either. Do you get a feeling for why teams aren't necessarily as interested as people thought they might be? Well, I mean, you're, the, the, the thing that jumps out at me is if you, if you were interested, it's a pretty no, I, I would say low risk, no risk proposition. I mean, you know, he's probably willing to play for the league minimum uh, or close to it. So that's what, 700,000, between 700 and 800,000. And prorated for the rest of the season on uh, on a contract for the balance of the year. It's next to nothing. So you could bring him in, and if he doesn't work out, you could, you could launch him back to the KHL or the minors or whatever you choose to do. It's, it's easy money to get rid of. Um, so it's not the cost that's involved. So right. that, that's why in the back of my mind, I'm wondering maybe there's one team out there that would just say, yeah, you know what, let's, let's bring him in, see if he can fire bombs on the power play hmm. or whatever the case may be. But in any case, um, we'll, we'll monitor that, see how it happens and, uh, or if it happens. Um, but I think a lot of teams just look at it and say, well, you know what, if he couldn't help the LA Kings, right. what would make you think he's going to help us? Um, you know, assuming it's a contending team or what have you. But, um, you know, he's still got a pretty good shot. The game's faster than it's ever been, and he's not. Right. Um, but as I said, the the money and the term is virtually negligible uh, on both counts. So we'll see. It's been a pretty eventful week in the NHL for mid-December. I don't remember being so much news going on this time of year. And the Kovalchuk thing won, and obviously the Hall trade coming down this week as well. Um what do you, who do you think replaces Taylor Hall now as the guy that uh, teams are going to be maybe chasing as, as big-time rental? Well, if you start looking at the prominent UFAs at the end of the year, you'll see Alex DeCrangelo in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. You'll see uh, Nick Backstrom in Washington. You'll see Braden Holpe in Washington. And we'll automatically use our common sense to deduce that the St. Louis Blues, even if they don't have Petrangelo signed, they're not trading them. They want to keep them. They'll try to win another Stanley Cup with them. They get a deal done at the end of the year. They get a deal done. If they don't, then see you later, Alex. Um, same sort of deal with Holpe and, and Backstrom, although Backstrom, we know he's he's been negotiating a contract extension with Washington without a, an agent, which would lead you to believe that he's prepared to right. do a very, very <laughs> club-friendly deal right. that would allow him to stay on a team that's you know, more or less capped out. Um, when he could make a lot more money, probably going to the open market. So he's not going anywhere. And and even if Braden Holpe's not back next year, same situation for Washington uh, with Holpe as it is with Petrangelo in St. Louis. These guys are trying to win the Cups. Right. These guys give him a chance to do it. So why would they even think of trading him? Those are the prominent guys. The one that'll be interesting is Chris Kreider. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a you know big body, uh, likes to introduce himself to goaltenders around the league. Probably not playing at the top of his game. New York might have some interest 
in re-signing him, but there's a sense that, you know, if they could get a first-round pick and a prospect for him, that maybe he would move. So I would think Kreider might become that that uh, rental flavor of the week, month, whatever, um, now that, that Hall's gone. Last year for the Bruins, Bob, they went after Marcus Johansson, of course, and it was a success. How active will they be this year, and who might they be interested in uh, come February? Well, I think it's too early to say, to be honest. I mean, I haven't, that's my way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and it's early yet, and you got to see how things go. And, you know, there's so many factors and variables, injuries, who's healthy, who's not how the team's playing, where's the hole in your lineup. And, you know, I know that, you know, ever since they, from, from the time they went out and tried and got Rick Nash to on and on and, and you know, so Johansson and, and any number of things here, the, there always seems to be, you know, a hole in the top six or top nine for the Bruins. And it's not a big one. Bruin fans would probably think it's a big one. Everybody else around the league, especially in the Atlantic division, it sees the Bruins, even in spite of the fact that they've lost a lot more than they've won lately, um, you know, look like the Bruins are home and cooled out the way Tampa was last year, at least for winning the division, unless they uh, continue to lose at an astronomical rate or right. one of these other teams that's been really inconsistent, uh, i.e. Toronto, Tampa Bay, Florida, Montreal, Buffalo, unless they get their act together. Um, most people look at the Bruins lineup with envy and say, man, that's, yeah. that's a really, really good lineup and and there's no real weaknesses or holes, but we know that they, they, they played on a regular basis with she or somebody who's got more offensive pop on the third line or whatever way you choose to slice it. What about, and actually you talked about the bigger name rentals that aren't probably going to go anywhere out. Boston has Tory Krug. I mean, do you have any, have any feel or hear anything about what might be happening with him as far as his negotiation? It's been pretty quiet here. It has been quiet, and I haven't heard anything at all yeah. on that. Um, and I and my guess is that you're, you know, the, the Bruins may not be in a position just to do do any of this right now. And and Krug may want to get a, a little further along and see what's there. And you know, there's some people who think there's just no way the Bruins will be able to afford this. Right. I, I anytime I hear that kind of talk, I understand it on one level because I think Krug can probably, especially if he. If he has a great year, stays healthy, and puts points up, I think he could really hit a home run in free agency mm-hmm. um, that the Bruins couldn't afford to match. Um, but, you know, the, the salary cap's a weird animal. You know, I never say never on anything because it's just it, it's discretionary. Right. You've just got to make hard choices. So, you, you know, if you're the Bruins, you, you might presume that there's no way we'll be able to sign Tory Krug, and yet, you might look at it over the course of the year, see how things shake out, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, and you could say, well, we could choose to get rid of this guy, and maybe we would have money for Tony Krug. So, you know, we'll we'll just see how all that plays out. It's too early to say. Well, and for instance, Bob, they gave uh, Charlie Coyle $5 million. Uh, who, you know, is he only a third-line center? Was it a good signing? Or is he possibly an answer for their, their hole in the top six, do you think, down the road? Yeah, you know what I mean. I think what you see is what you get. Um, can can Charlie Coyle play better than he has? I'm sure he probably can. Can he play more consistently? You know, probably most players in National Hockey League would say, yeah, the, the elusive goal in in today's NHL because it's such a competitive league, it's really hard to be consistent. And the Bruins, as a team, have done a better job of that than most anybody. Um, but 
Um, you know, it, listen, when you, when you get good players and players that you're comfortable with and they're of that age, you know, in their 20s and you feel reasonably certain that, you know, signing a guy to that term for that amount of money, we're not going to regret that. And if we do, we should be able to, if we, if we do need flexibility, that should be an eminently tradable deal. Um, you know, depending on the circumstances, what no trades are and what have you. So, um, but yeah, I think Coyle's a real good player and I think he, he really helps him. And I think it's one of the reasons why the, you know, why the Bruins were as good as they were and why they got to where they did in the, in the cup final last year. I mean, so close yet so far. Well, we appreciate your time, Bob. I know you're a busy man and you got to run. Happy holidays to you and Pete and the rest of yours. <laughs> and, uh, well, hopefully we'll do it again soon down the road. Awesome. So, yes, they have a little peep for me, and uh, he's quite a, quite a young fella. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Bob. Have a good one, Bob. Awesome, guys. Have a good one. All of that. All right, bye-bye. All right, there goes the great Bob father, Bob McKenzie, who also dropped a hole in the top six. Yes. Nice of him to work that in. It's unbelievable that uh, it's just it's I mean, it's one thing, it's, like I said, it's one thing for Bob McKenzie to say it and for us to say it and any pundits to say it, but for the team to say the word hole – as opposed to saying, well, you know, uh, we have lots of guys that can play there, and we have Danton, and we have Anders, and we have Charlie. No, it's a hole, and they've all acknowledged it. And, uh, you know, and to go to the Kovalchuk thing, everyone who doesn't want to click the link to my, you know, four-point, I have a four-point argument against Kovalchuk linked on WEI.com, and every What's response to my tweet is, What's what's the risk? What's the big deal? Click the damn story. But as long as you're listening to this, it's pretty much the same as clicking on the story. So I will tell you one other aspect of this is seven hundred grand doesn't matter. What if he just doesn't fit here and it screws up your team a little bit? What you're you're so concerned about racking up points and winning this division, getting home ice advantage, you don't want to just plug this guy in. What if he just doesn't work? And that's I'm not shocked to hear that they're not interested. The guy is slow. He's slow, and he's also a character risk. I mean, I don't know what he's like or what he was like in L.A., but in the early years in Atlanta, he was a hothead. I'll never forget Michelle Therrien, who went on many epic rants over his career, but he, he, this has never been more true. It's a game of passion. It's a game of emotion. If you don't have guys who are buying in and believing in what you're doing, they can be detrimental to the cause. Absolutely, and that's why they are. this team is so strict about character and bringing in guys that they know are good people and will fit in this room and fit, you know fit in the right space and they have 10 12 people who you could consider leaders guys who could all wear letters on this team um i don't think they're willing to just first of all they talk about power play time well who are you taking off this power play i mean i know uh two yutzes on twitter are going to tell me danton heinen stinks get him off there but he plays a purpose he plays a role on that power play as does jake debrusque when they switch them and then that second group hardly gets any ice time never mind where you're going to put him on that second group yep. it's not going it's not how to help help him thrive and if he's not going to play defense and he's not going to play with passion like you're saying what is the purpose on top of the fact that he, again he's another le- guy who likes to play the left side so you're going to try to f- fit him in here seven hundred thousand dollars yeah wonderful it has nothing to do with the money it has to do with hockey and everything else about it now, click the link. Chris <laughs> Kreider was on your list of early Chris Kreider is targets. a whole other story, and obviously a guy that you know Bob brought up, and I, we didn't get into this with him. I just wonder what the price will be. I guess if Taylor Hall sets the price at the top, uh, Kreider probably a notch down. And so there's, you know, we know Jeff Gorton and Don Sweeney have made plenty of trades together. Too many Massachusetts guys to, uh, on the roster, well, no, though. At this uh, point. Well, at one point you would say, oh, my God, they're just getting Massachusetts guys. Because when, when Mike O'Connell used to get those guys in the 90s, it never worked. 
But all of a sudden, they found this batch of hometown guys who actually you know can can handle playing here, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Chris Wagner, Charlie Coyle, Matt Grizzlick, and then you know obviously even Noah Chari thrived here. These guys know how to handle it and know how to play, and so that goes back to the Bruins being judges of character. And you know, assuming that they think Kreider's personality would fit here, he's definitely the guy you would want to have to play with Krejci, possibly maybe to play with Bergeron, but more than anything. In the playoffs, no fewer teams will be pushing you around when you have Chris Kreider and, and their yep. goalies' faces. He's got some size, and uh, you know they've obviously made a deal recently with the uh, the Rangers. So oh, they've made a few Rick Nash, yep. Nick Holden. So you know, I think it's a possibility. But but again, how long do the Bruins want to wait here just to see how the everything plays out? And never know who gets injured. Right. You know, well, they, they get bailed out by this holiday break. They won't. Uh, they can't. You know, they, the roster freeze. So it gives you a couple of weeks to get talk to people, yep. but you can't make any trades. And then you know they they, they they've struck. Early in the past, and you'd say, you know, early January, maybe you get on this and get it done. Uh, lastly, uh, to react to what Bob had to say, Tory Krug, any yes. takeaways there? The more I talk to people and the more, I, I mean, this is part sources and part my gut. He's going to be here somehow, one way or oh, another. Whoa, whoa, really? I, I just can't, I can't Informed imagine him speculation? leaving. Well, here's the thing. Well, we you heard know, Bob say he, they can't afford it. Nobody knows how they're going to afford it. Well, but th- we've always, yeah, and how much did we spend the summer saying they can't afford Carlo and McAvoy and everything? Well, so they I, spend money on Coil. It, it works all the time, but it's just, he's going to be a Bruin. He can't, can you picture him in another uniform? And here's the yes. thing, too. Red Wings, First of all, rule, out, rule out Detroit. He's not going to Detroit. He doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. So, yeah, he could – technically he should be a $9 million player, but which good team has $9 million to give to a second-pair power play star defenseman? Uh, when, you hit, when you hit free agency and the money just starts talking and it's I like just, $9 million versus five, it's just – I mean – I think he's going to be here. I think it's going to happen. I, I can't I can't picture it not you, happening. You love Krug like Bradford loves Porcello. It's, it's not gonna that be, I love it's him. It's going to be your rude a... awakening next year. Like, you know, which, by the a, way, Porcello went to the Mets, so you're thrilled. I've been, I've been assured – that he's not going to wear red. That's all I know. All right. It's the holidays. Happy holidays to all these skate podcast listeners. Hope oh, you but, but we'll be back next week. Don't yes. think because we're taking Christmas off. We will have an episode next week. Do you want to tease who that is or And no? it is actually Steve Shields, the University of Michigan. I'm going to talk some Johnny Beecher. Probably the most popular cat, uh, topic on skate pod history is Johnny Beecher. It was well downloaded, yeah. I mean, and, and Steve Shields played with the Bruins a little bit. Uh, not long, but has uh, some insight on some of those guys. You'll look forward to that. And... New Year's episode, Mike Loftus will be a part of it, the legendary Mike Loftus. We're going to recap the decade and look ahead to the decade, and uh, I think if I get Mike in the right mood, we'll have uh, we'll have some laughs, and you guys will really see what happens behind the scenes what, what does with that the mean, Boston the right media. I'm, I'm hoping that's like uh, alcohol well, or weed. Or, well, no, he's, he's, he's sober, but uh, oh. we'll you know, oh, just got to okay. get him to uh, open up a little bit and be himself. All right, work your magic. You're a great interviewer, and Bob McKenzie's favorite, obviously. Your guy, guy follows you, Jesus. Hope he retweets us with his 1.6 million. Bob, give us a retweet, please. Talk to you next week. Merry Christmas.